one of these old mornings won't be very long you'll look for me and I'll be gone I'm going to a place where there's nothing nothing to do but just walk around heaven all day when I get to heaven I'm gonna sing and shout there'll be Yes, and my father will too, and we'll just walk around heaven all day. this opportunity to welcome our KKVV listeners joining us at 1060 on the 1060 AM dial. We are so thrilled here at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're glad that you're part of this experience with us. 
and also to those who are watching us live online at www.abundantlifelv.org. Once more, it is an honor to have you, and it is our greatest desire that you join us here one of these days to fellowship with us and we with you. Our speaker today comes to us all the way from Montreal, Canada. Uh, he is, in fact, uh, one of the candidates uh, who we are looking at to be our senior pastor here at the Abundant Life Church. And so we do continue to crave your prayers as we continue to move forward. Just like to tell you a little bit about our pastor today. Uh, pastor O'Neill Madden is an ordained minister of the gospel who has been serving in pastoral ministry for over 14 years. He is currently the pastor of two congregations in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. La Salle New Life, a vibrant, multicultural, 470-member church, and also the Mount Carmel Filipino Company. And I, 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 I tell him that that is, that is something I would like him to tell me a little bit more, that Filipino Company, I've never heard about that, uh, him pastoring what the experience would be like with that. So he's the pastor of two churches, and that company will be organized as a church very soon. He also serves as the communication director and a member of the executive board of the Quebec Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He is a graduate of Atlantic Union College in Massachusetts, where he earned a Bachelor of Arts in Theology and an associate degree in Business Administration. He completed his chaplaincy, clinical pastoral studies, at McGill University in Montreal, Quebec, and is currently completing his Master of Divinity degree at Andrews University. Pastor Madden is a devoted husband and father. He is happily married to the former Anne-Marie Wilson, his wife of 21 years. Amen? Yes, we like that. And they are the proud parents of two children, eight-year-old Crystal and 19-year-old Daniel. And Daniel is a student of theology in his senior year at the Oakwood University. And Pastor Madden and his family reside in, in, in Chateaugay, Quebec, Canada. <laughs> French is rusty, amen. <laughs> Pastor Madden has an intense love for the Lord and a passion for making God's word relevant and real in the lives of those to whom he ministers. Pastor Madden, we are so pleased that you have taken this opportunity to look at us and to allow us to look at you. Uh, we are going to fellowship a little more after the message today, but for now, we want you to know that at Abundant Life, we love good preaching. And so the saints will be praying that the Lord bless you, 
with a double portion of his Holy Spirit, and that our hearts may be receptive to the word God has for us. Before we hear from Pastor Madden, we will be favored by another sacred selection by Las Vegas Queen of Gospel, Wileener, after which you will hear from Pastor O'Neill Madden, Hear Ye Him. Good morning again. Forgiveness 
God, I want to thank Sister Doretta Morris, Wilena. Powerful song. Thank you very much. I expect a CD before I leave tomorrow morning. Very nice. Very nice. I just want to thank this church for the hospitality that it has granted to fly me all the way from Montreal. Three hours difference to be here with you. My church services finished about three hours ago and uh, everyone is having their Sabbath meal. My wife is probably at her sister's house right now enjoying the Sabbath rest and fellowship with her sister while we are here in church. As I looked over your church the last uh, 24 hours, I see that this church is a lot happening here. And it's a wonderful experience just to, just to get a taste of it even now. Uh, your senior pastor, Pastor Lee Wars, uh, an amazing man. In fact, I was telling him, I think that uh, we have a senior pastor right there. And I think that you'll be making a big mistake. A big mistake. I see something in this man. I'm telling you, I'm here under the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking myself the question, why am I here today? I'm asking myself this question. And I think that you should ask yourself the same question too. Why are you here today? You know, God specializes in just connecting people 
um, at certain intersections in their lives to cause amazing things to happen. Uh, God could cause a family traveling from Australia to just pass by here and, and to mingle with a few individuals and you will have an atomic bomb of divine origins that can just cause a, a stir and a ripple effect that this city could be taken over by storm. When I come to worship, I expect power from God. I expect great things. And I know God has something great in store for us today. Amen? And so as I come, I come with greetings from my wife and my children and from my churches, LaSalle New Life Seventh-day Adventist Church and the Mount Carmel Company, soon to be a church on the 16th of June. And they're excited. Now you ask, how could a Jamaican man be pastoring a Filipino uh, congregation? It's, it's just strange. Uh, this is a church that they like to see things happening. And so these guys, uh, just about uh, two months ago, I have been sent to this church. And I could accomplish in that church in a day what I could, it would take me months to accomplish in other churches. They are so willing. And it's a joy to pastor that company, soon to be a church. The Lord has brought me along where I've had opportunities to pastor different um, groups. I pastored a, a Ghanaian church uh, there in Montreal and uh, a very vibrant church. Pastored at the Westmount Seventh-day Adventist Church, our mother church there. I was the associate pastor with Mansfield Edwards. And as I pastored around, I've, I've seen... Uh, that God has for each church, he has a different, he has a mission. He fulfilled that great commission with that church in a, in a very special way, just as I believe he's doing it here at Abundant Life, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so, as we come this morning with thankful hearts, I'd like you to turn to our scripture Meditation for this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And the Bible tells us this morning, and it begins with the word, therefore. Therefore. Therefore, I hear the pages turning, but I want you to think of that word, therefore. Therefore. When you have found it, please say amen. amen. Therefore, if any man, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Repeat after me, new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God has called us into a new time. 
He has called us into a new reality. You are no longer the same person that you were a week ago. You are no longer the same person that you were yesterday. God has brought you into a new reality. And if you, with the power of the Holy Spirit, will claim that today, I am telling you, great power can come upon your life and changes can take place. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as we come before your throne today, we are your people. And we know that the Holy Spirit is present here to heal and to ignite his power. I pray, Father, that you will do this even now. I pray that you will connect the preacher with your words and connect your people with conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that when we leave here today, we could say, surely we have been with God. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title for my message this morning is entitled, Extreme Makeover extreme makeover. I want you to think with me. They have uh, made this uh, extreme makeover uh, TV shows that's um, where they take an old dilapidated home and they show you the picture before. They show you the windows all darkened and broken down. They show you mildew on the walls of the house. They show you cracked foundations and they show you the process, and sometimes they go through very quickly and show how they are making over this home, and eventually you see the finished product, and everyone is amazed. And sometimes the family is kept out of it, and they're brought into this home, and they are shocked to see th that this home that they used to call home, they wonder, what is this? It's amazing. We see that man is able to do extreme things. Uh, they not only make over homes, they make over cars. And even so, they make over themselves. Uh, you see individuals that have uh, different issues, whether it be teeth, skin, weight, hair, whatever it is. And they show you the before picture. And they show you the after picture. And you have to take a second look to see if it is the same person. I want you to know that we serve a God that specializes in extreme makeovers. God has brought you into the place, I want you to know, this place of transition where he can make you over into something new. We are told that the church is the gateway to heaven, sister, as you sang. I want to walk around heaven one day. We'll be walking together. And, and I want you to understand that this place is a place of transition. Uh, this is a, a place where you're not going to find perfection. Uh, you're going to find things that stink in church. Uh, you're going to find people that's not all perfect in church. Uh, you're going to find people going through their transition. It's amazing. I remember there was a, a man that I, I looked up to when I was a, 
a young man growing up in Montreal, the north end of Montreal, attending the Norwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this man was known for his temper. You do not rub uh, Elder Thorn in the wrong way, or he will rub you to the ground. And Brother Thorn, he had a short fuse. You see, he was a, a professor of physics in the university for years. And this man was a man of time. He was a man of order. He was a man of principles. And if anything would go wrong in the church and you were behind it, he will tell you. And he will tell you hard. But I've seen that man over the 20 years or so that I knew him. I see God working on this man and chiseling him and taking that bad temper and putting it aside. And I mean, by the time this man, by the time of his death, this man was one that was made over. God specializes in taking people and changing them. Don't ask me how it happens, but God does it. And so this is what God does. Now, one of my goals in my ministry is always lifting up Christ in the preached word. And so today I want you to turn to a book in scripture that you perhaps know more than me, but it's the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And in this book, if you understand the ambition for Mark, who was not one of the original apostles, uh, Mark this uh, aim of Mark, he liked to um, write to uh, build up women and individuals who were on the outskirts of society. Mark was a, a man that uh, he looked for individuals and stories that basically help individuals on the outskirts to recognize that they were a part of the body and that God was interested in them. And if you just survey the book of Mark, you will see this in a very distinct way. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus, after having a long day of uh, performing great miracles and uh, ministering to the great multitudes and so forth, Jesus said unto his disciples in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, he said unto them, that same day, he said unto them, let us go over on the other side. Verse 36, and when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, careth not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the winds ceased, and there was a great calm. 
I want you to understand that God, he specializes in extreme makeovers. Even in nature, God could, he could cause a storm and he will just bring it down to a calm. God can do anything. He can do anything he wants. And we see Jesus on this ship. And he just simply said the words, peace be still, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that he have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. What manner of man? I want you to understand that some of you guys here, some of us, I include myself, we're going through some storms. We're going through some storms in life. And these storms, sometimes these, these storms are just assailing us. They, it could be storms in your family. It could be storms in your job, storms in your marriage, storm with children, whatever it is. We are going through some storms. I once heard a minister uh, preached, and he says, uh, you're either in a storm, or going into a storm, or coming out of a storm. But I'm telling you, we're always going through storms. And God specializes in navigating us through storms. And I'm telling you, storms will come. But the question is, are you prepared for the storm? Do you know who you have with you in the storm? I was reading up on the commentary on this portion where the poor disciples, these experienced fishermen, you see, these guys, they, they, were, they thought that they had it all right. They know the course from Galilee to Gennesaret. They know exactly. And, and they, they were, you know, they've been through storms. They've navigated through storms. And so when the storm came up, remember it said there was a calm first, and then the storm came. And when the storm came up, these guys, they said, yeah, we've got this. So they got their, their, their oars and everything, and they were trying to navigate the storm going through and all of that. But this was no ordinary storm. Uh, this was a storm of demonic proportions. This storm was there to attack the master. This storm was to really shake their faith and to topple that boat. But Jesus was asleep. He was asleep. Uh, you see, when Jesus is in the vessel, we need to understand we could smile at the storm. As we learn uh, growing up. When Jesus in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. As the winds blow, we could smile. As the waves beat, they, we could smile. I want you to understand when Jesus is in the vessel, we don't have to worry about anything. But you see, these disciples, they were a little different. They were saying, no, no, listen, we are the experienced sailors here. We don't need Jesus for this. He's performed great miracles in the lives of individuals. They have witnessed Jesus just, I mean, multiplying bed, bread and feeding 5,000, 3,000. They have seen miracles, but they said, don't worry, we've got this. And they tried with all their human effort, with all their human effort, but somehow the ship, their little boat, 
was filled up with water, and they recognized that human effort was not enough. Now, I read in Ellen G. White said that they cried with all their human effort. They cried out to Jesus afterwards, but it says the darkness just separated them from Jesus and drowned out with the waves and everything, drowned out their voices that immediately Jesus didn't hear them. He was sleeping. And they cried out again and no response. And they cried out again. And eventually, it says lightning flashed and they saw Jesus sleeping in the hinder part of the boat and they, they cried out and said, Master, care it not that we perish? You know, sometimes when storms hit us, we may fiendishly cry out, God help me. But you know you don't really want God's help. And so he doesn't really respond or you don't see him responding. Uh, and, and so, again, you may even increase the volume a bit, you know, master, help. But we really don't need help. We're trying to fix the things ourselves. And we're breaking it up ourselves, right? And somehow, uh, there's no help coming. And, and, and it's when you are about to lose it and about to really sink, Master, help! And immediately, the Master stands up and stills the storm. The amazing thing about us is that we have a, a short-term memory. You know, we, we forget to count the blessings one by one, as the song says. We forget to go down and remember what God has done in the past. And because we forget where he has led us in the past, we have no faith to stand up in the future. You know, interestingly, I was reading and studying 1 Corinthians chapter 10 the other day, where it, uh, Paul was uh, reflecting back on the Israelite experience. And he said that a cloud of pillar covered them by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they were all baptized in the Red Sea and they were given the law and so forth. But all of these spectacular things they saw, yet when rough times came, they wanted to run back to Egypt. They were craving craving the flesh pots of Egypt, how we forget. Today, someone is going through a storm, and you're in church, and you're trying to hold it together, and you know that, you know, it, it, you can't deal with it on your own, but you don't want to talk, and you don't want to say anything to the people in church because you're fearful. You know, you're, you're going through that storm, and you're wondering, you know, what to do. I'm telling you that Jesus specializes. He specializes in extreme makeover. And he wants to make you over today. He wants to give you an opportunity today. But how many of us will respond? As Jesus calmed the storm and ministered to disciples, their vessels continued onward to the region of the Gadarenes, or the Gennesaret, depends what book you're reading. But as uh, morning broke, they came to the shores of the Gadarenes. And immediately as they got out of the boat, 
reminiscing over the experience and all of these things that they had, immediately they saw two wild demonic men coming out of the tombs. And these men, they, they were so fearful in their countenance. And as they came, that these disciples, they saw what was happening. And all the individuals that were with them, they ran away and ran to the boats. And they were running and running and running. And they looked back and they recognized that Jesus, he was standing still. They recognized that Jesus, the same one that calmed the storm, he was standing still facing these demoniacs. Uh, Jesus, well, nothing was going to scare Jesus because Jesus, he knows what it's all about. Jesus was always in preparation mode. Jesus knew what it was to have that connection with God. And so when he saw these fearful things, that, that couldn't deter him. Jesus stood up. And as Jesus stood up and looked at these demons, they cried out, Master and the Son of God, Son of God, why torment us? And Mark chapter 5. And as they cried out to Jesus, to Jesus in that sense, they were looking for an answer. Because as the scripture says, that these men, they, they tried Humans, they tried to bind them and contain them with chains, but they would break through. They would contain them with ropes and they would break through. Whatever man used to contain them didn't work. But I want you to understand, we see once again human effort at work. Too many times we encounter problems. Someone that is uh, filled with uh, demonic spirits and we try to fix things ourselves. We try to fix the problems and uh, the demon is just laughing. You see, when we do not seek the source of all life, the source of all power, I mean, hey, you know what's going to happen, right? Your sin will remain and uh, the demons just laugh. You know, I, I just, this is not in my sermon, but I was just reflecting back, and I believe it's Acts chapter 17, the, the sons of Sceva. If you remember, these men, they saw Paul doing all these great miracles and so forth. And these guys, they decided that, hey, we're going to try this power ourselves. And so there was a man that was filled with a demonic spirit. And these seven sons, they went into the house and they prayed over this man. And they were praying over to, for healing over this man and, and for deliverance. And the demon looked out and said, well, Jesus we know and Paul we know. But who are you? And immediately, the scripture says they tore off their clothes. The demon tore off their clothes and they left that house running naked. When we do not go to God, right, to solve our problems, when we try to solve our problem with human effort, it avails nothing. And so just like those disciples, they were seeking for human effort. They were trying to do things themselves to save themselves underwater, but they couldn't. They didn't realize the power of Jesus. And so this man, as the story is in Mark chapter 5, they, this demoniac came 
And as they cried out, they cried out and Jesus said, all right. He cast the demons out. The demons said, well, we don't want to leave this region. Jesus said, all right, where do you want to go? And I'm putting my own words to it. Uh, Jesus, they said to Jesus, well, uh, send us into the pigs. Unclean demons going into unclean animals. And immediately these demons herded down, the pigs with the demons herded down into the ocean and they were drowned, where? In the sea. Read it in Mark chapter 5. Where does God say that your sin will be thrown? Huh? In the, in the depths of the sea. It's very interesting when we study words, and I'm basically putting a few sermons together here because this is a sermon on its own. But when you look at this, the unclean demons going into unclean pigs, going over the cliff and into the midst of the sea. God is in the business of canceling your sins out if you only accept it. And so we see here now that Jesus is on a mission because after he crossed back over, he encountered this man with the demoniac. And then he left now and he crossed back over and he encountered the ruler of the temple and his name was Jairus and his daughter was sick. And he implored Jesus, come, come, and my daughter needs healing. Now, this was a Jewish man. They didn't quite believe in the Messiah, in Jesus as the Messiah. And so, but this man, he wanted a solution because he tried everything that he could do to help his daughter, but human effort was not working. And he recognized he needed to seek divine effort. And so he sought Jesus. And when he came to Jesus in Mark chapter 5, verse 20, uh, we see that this man, he came up and he was asking Jesus, please. And Jesus accepted and went, was on his way to Jairus' house. But while Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, there was a woman that was in the press of the crowd. And as she was pressing through the crowd, she said, if I could just touch, you know the sermon, if I could just touch the hem of his garments, right? I know that I could be healed. And the Bible tells that, that she went from doctor to doctor to be healed. She went to this health specialist. She went to this doctor. She went to that doctor. But she had this issue of blood that was bleeding for 12 long years, and nobody, nobody could heal her. Nobody. But she heard of this mighty healer that was there the day before, and he had come back over on the other side of the shore to meet and to intersect this woman. I am telling you, we serve a God of intersections. When we meet, when God's people meet, where two or three are gathered in my name, God says where I am there. And I believe God is here today. He is here today. He is here for someone today. And so this woman, she was being pressed, you know, aside and muscled aside. And she had to get on her hands and her knees. And she's just reaching out to touch the hem of that garment. And as she reached out and she just barely touched the hem it said that something happened. I believe the word in the Greek was dudamus, power, power. 
came forth. And Jesus stopped the procession, all the crowd, and he asked the question, who touched me? Who touched me? And when Jesus called out, who touched me? His disciples looked around and said, well, uh, are you okay, Jesus? Uh, are you really okay? We're all touching you. But I am telling you, you know, sometimes we come to church, Sabbath after Sabbath, and we're touching Jesus ordinary. Oh, we're so happy to be in the fellowship. And so we sit in the pew and we're so happy. How are you doing, sister? And so we have these ordinary touches, you know? And we go around and we're just enjoying church and happy Sabbath. We're happy that we paid our bills this week. We're happy that the creditors are not going to call us on Monday morning. We're happy that we finished school. We're happy. We're all happy, right? And we're just so elated. But it's an, ord it's an ordinary touch. But this woman, it was her life. She said, if I could just touch that hem, if I could reach and touch that hem, I will be healed. And so this woman, as soon as she touched that thing that doctors were trying to heal for 12 years, that thing that they were all trying to fix for all these 12 years, she tried herbs. And, I have, and I, I'm a vegan for... 20-something years, and I, I'm not knocking veganism, but she tried that too. She tried everything, but nothing was working. But Jesus, one touch, stopped the procession, and the master looked around and says, who touched me? The question I'm asking you today, are you touching Jesus today? Is your touch just an ordinary touch? Or are you touching Jesus? Are you touching the source of life? Are you touching the source of healing? Are you touching the one that can make your life turn over? Are you touching the one that specialized in extreme makeover? Are you touching Jesus today? Too many times I sit in church. I hear good sermons preached. I am stirred. I'm Oh, this is great and all of these things. And too many of us, we come to be entertained. And we say, oh man, that was a good sermon. And we're eating that veggie burger. Wasn't that good, you know? And we're just enjoying. But I'm telling you, God doesn't want us in these last days to come ordinary anymore. We got to come to church expecting something extraordinary. And I'm serious. Well, we, we cannot put up with shows on Sabbath. You know, it's not just show where we get up and we sing the songs and all of that. And listen, I, I'm in a church where uh, I have an active bunch of young people. And I praise God, they are there in church. And when they do praise and worship, sometimes the, the older ones, they have to close their ears and so forth. And we try to blend things together and all of that. And I, I believe in praising God, right? But I believe in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, where it says, the old men shall dream dreams, and the young men shall see visions. You see, dreams are made up of things of the past. Visions are made of things of the future. But we both are needed to have worship. We need those old men and those young ones to work together to accomplish the work. L.E.G. White says that the young people will finish the work. So old folks, you better take care of those young people. 
because they're the ones that strapping up their running shoes and they're waiting for instructions. They're waiting for your experience because they want to run. And so church, as we come, we can't come ordinary anymore. We got to come expecting extraordinary blessings. Extraordinary blessings. And so what we see here in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 41, Jesus continues his procession unto Jairus' house. The message comes and says, trouble not the master, because the child that he was on his way to heal, he is now dead. It's impossible. It's impossible. Don't worry the master anymore. Just, you know, we're just going to plan a funeral and have something very, you know, what have you. So Jairus, his heart fell. But you know, God sometimes just causes people to be in the right place at the right time. Because who was in the crowd traveling with, when that woman touched the garment? Who was in the crowd? Where was he going? To Jairus' house. And who was with Jesus? Jairus himself. Who witnessed uh, this touch? Jairus. I remember when Jesus looked around and the woman identified herself, Jesus said unto her, what? Your faith has made thee whole. I had an awesome experience. I believe it was 2004. I was pastor in the Ghanaian church. And um, the Ghanaians, uh, they're very, I would say, spirit-filled people. And they're a very close community. If we have a Ghanaian church here in, in Las Vegas and the church is going to be organized or what have you, Ghanaians from all across North America will come. They have a Ghanaian for everything. And so there was this woman who was not a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. She was a Presbyterian or Pentecostal, one of the other churches. She uh, had leukemia. And her problem was that she, it had uh, brought her to the state that she could not see. And she was in a bad shape. And so they called this Ghanaian prayer warrior from New York to come and pray for this woman. Right? He was a Seventh-day Adventist, uh, attending the Seventh-day Adventist church in New York. And so this man came on a special mission to pray for this woman. Now, these guys believe in prayer. And I'm telling you, I've seen some of the Ghanaian pastors. There was a pastor, if you have an opportunity to invite him here, his name is Andrews Eu, right? Powerful man. When he prays, things happen, right? Well, I believe when we all pray, things happen. But there's something about this man's experience, right? Now, I'm just uh, telling you now what happened. When I'm thinking back in Mark chapter 5, something similar happened to me. And so this man came over now, and uh, when they heard he was in town, many people started calling and calling and say, hey, elder, come over to my house and so forth. And we had a schedule to meet this lady in the hospital at a certain time. And so I went, went to the hospital as a pastor of the church and so forth, and I'm waiting for him. An hour went by. And I'm waiting outside the hospital to go in and introduce myself and him and pray for the woman. 
but the man did not come. And I waited and I waited and I waited and no man. And so I said, oh boy, so I, I better go in and pray then. Now all these, the Ghanaians, they hype me up and say, Pastor, you, we, this man is going to pray and he's going to pray in three and he's going to just, you know, deliver this woman from her sickness, you know, by God's grace and power. I went inside the room and I said, hi, sister, and I apologize that this, the elder was not able to come and so forth, but I'm here to pray for you. And I asked her, what would you like me to pray for? And she didn't pray for her leukemia. She prayed and says, that I might see. That's all she wanted, that I might see. I said, okay, I will only pray under one condition, that you say a prayer of thanks. And so she agreed, and I gave an ordinary prayer. I felt. I prayed and asked for the Lord to come and touch this woman and open her eyes, touch her from a cellular level to her tissues, to her organ, to her system, and heal her entire body, Lord, and restore her eyesight as she has requested. Amen. Then this woman prayed. I am telling you, I have never heard a prayer like that ever again. She put down a prayer that was, I mean, it was a prayer that was a soul-to-soul -soul prayer. It was a prayer that she was talking to her God and pleading with heaven, Lord, I believe and I accept this prayer, and I know that I will be healed and that my eyes will be restored and that I will be able to see, and she prayed. I left the hospital after saying my goodbyes, Eight days later, a number of Ghanaian members called me. Pastor, did you hear what happened? Pastor, did you hear? And I, I said, no, I don't know. She said, the, the lady, she could see her eyes. All of a sudden, I mean, something happened that she could see. And later, when they tested her, the leukemia was gone. The worst thing that she was not praying, it was gone. And the lady was healed. And I'm saying, Lord, where did this come from? Uh, did, did I, could I take the credit? I couldn't. I, I mean, this was none other than the Holy Spirit, you know. But I believe, as Jesus said to this woman, thy faith has made thee whole. That made this woman whole. I am telling you, there are individuals today that came to church that needs to reach up and touch Jesus for the first time. I'm talking a real touch. Not an ordinary touch, a real touch. But Jesus now, he caused our permitted Jairus to see all of this. And they saw indeed what happened. Uh, Jairus and his posse. And uh, when the news came from his home, Jesus says, don't worry, just only believe. Let's continue on our journey. And they went, and I want to read this, and I'm picking up from verse 25. Uh, verse 25, if we could put that in the screen. Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And as we see this, it's powerful because Jesus is showing something here, and it was not exclusive to that time. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. 
Mark chapter 5, verse 25. When you have it, please say amen. amen. Mark chapter 5. And we're looking at verse 25. We see here Jesus once again at work. 5, verse 25. All right. Let's pick it up. Okay, we don't have it there. Okay. Uh, and, um, and so that's, that was the woman of the issue of blood. Sorry. And he touched, touched my clothes. Back to uh, 30. And um, the, the, this is verse um, to 30, sorry. And while he yet spake, 35, not 25. While he, Mark f chapter 5, verse 35. And while he yet spake, there came from the rulers, the, the ruler of the synagogue's house, a certain which says, thy daughter is dead. Why troubleth the master further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Remember that term, believe. It's going to come back. And he suffered not, he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John. This was the ones that he would bring into his inner circle. Whenever you see Peter, James, and John, God was going to do something great and powerful, right? And so he suffered just Peter, James, and John. All the other disciples, he said, just stay and watch. And he's Peter, James, and John, right? And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the turmoil. And them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in... He said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? Why are you weeping? The damsel is not dead. She's sleeping. She's sleeping. Don't worry about it. And when they saw that in verse 40, it says they laughed him to scorn. You see, when people believe in human efforts and they don't have a connection with the divine, they laugh. And they jeer, right, just like Noah's ark. They laugh and jeer, those antediluvians, they laugh and jeer. They don't understand that divinity, that God is here, the one who created heaven and earth. He was there, and he was not just there to heal. He was going to bring something greater than everyone imagined. Some of you came to church to hear this guy that is possibly um, um, your pastor, right? You came to hear a word. You came for whatever reason, but I believe God brought you here for a different purpose. I believe that God has something in store for some young man or young woman or a child or an older person in church today. You came just for an ordinary touch, but God is saying, listen, no, I am an extraordinary God. And you came to church to witness extraordinary things. You need to see extraordinary things. And so we see here now that he said, the damsel, don't worry, she is not, she's not dead, right? She's sleeping. And they laugh him to scorn, uh, scorn. And he says, but when he had put them out, he taketh the father, the mother, the damsel, Peter, James, and John, and entered into the damsel's, the, where the damsel was lying, the little girl was lying, right? And he took the little girl by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha kumi, 
which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. I want you to understand, the very one that said Talitha Kumi, if he did not say Talitha Kumi, if he just said, arise, you would have a general resurrection right there in Galilee. Right? If he had just said, arise, there will be a worldwide resurrection. What you have to understand, that God, he specializes. He says, listen, I'm coming to this place. I'm coming to abundant life. And I'm going to cause a resurrection. I'm going to cause a stir. If you would so allow. And so when he said unto her, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. It says straightway. There was no delay. Straightway, the damsel that was dead. The damsel that was dead arose and walked. Uh, I had a preacher that came by last year, and, and he put it this way. He says that based on the Jewish belief, when someone died, they had this belief that, you know, death, you know, the spirit of that person was lingering in the room. And that death was just left, had just left her body and was leaving and going out the room. But when Jesus walked in and pronounced that girl alive and Talitha Kumi arrived, death took a U-turn and entered back into her body. And she came back alive. Man, I heard that. I said, whoa, that, where did you get that from? I'm going to use it. This is the first time I'm using it. And so what we're seeing, we got to understand that Jesus came to have extreme an extreme makeover on this little girl. He came in to have a resurrection, not just a healing. And when she arose, she did everything that living people did. She walked. She talked. She did all the things, showing that she was alive. And they were astonished. And when Jesus said, hey, listen, you know, uh, you cannot, if she was dead, you would not feed her. But give her something to eat. Give her something to eat. I want you to understand, as I conclude, God, he has a special task for you today. You're not here by chance. It's not just by circumstance. It's not just ordinary. This is providence. God has brought you here into church for a reason. And as we come, and as I conclude and I get into my appeal, I want you to understand with me that when we come to God, we can't come any way. In the book of Genesis chapter 35, after Jacob, the con man, had done all his stuff, he had tricked his brother out of a birthright and all of that, and he uh, ran away from home, and, and he met up a con man uh, that was just like him, and he ended up with two wives, concubines, and everything, and he was traveling back. God said unto Jacob in Genesis chapter 35, 1 to 7, he says, and he said to him, arise, go to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Bethel means the house of God. And he says, go to Bethel and dwell there and make thee an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto thee when thou fled from the face of thy brother Esau. 
And Jacob said unto his household and all that were with him, Put away the foreign gods from among you and purify yourself and change your garment. God was telling them that, listen, I, I want you, I'm bringing you into a closer relationship with me, right? Uh, he was telling Jacob, listen, I want you to come with your family, but you can't come ordinary. And so Jacob told his family, listen, take it all away. Right? Put away the strange gods. They had some of these gods that they had, um, uh, they were worshiping and the, symbolizing the sun, the moon, the stars, and all of that. And Jacob says, put that away. And it says now, as they put away them they, and change your garments, it says, let us arise and go to Bethel, the house of God, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me where I went, where the way I went, which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the foreign gods that were in their hand, the rings which was in their ears, the rings, the, all the things that they had that they worshipped, they gave it to him. And it says when they traveled, and this is the punchline, guys. When they traveled, it says the fear of God was up on the nations around that they did not touch them. You see, there are people that hate you in your neighborhood, on your job. There are people that hate you in school and they want to beat you down, right? But they can't touch you because the fear of God is upon them. They can't touch a child of God. And so when Jacob and his family was traveling, there was no way for them to touch Jacob because the fear of God was upon them. And they were on their way to Bethel to worship. And when they got to Bethel in verse 7, it says they got there. And he recognized that Bethel was not what he was expecting. He recognized Bethel was El Bethel because it is the house of God where God dwells. Now, there are many houses across the city of Las Vegas. There are many places where people are congregating, and they're calling it the house of God. There are many places right across the world, and they're calling it the house of God. They may call it the house of God, but God's spirit is not in it, so it cannot be El Betel. God wants this place to be El Betel. He wants this place where this is where my spirit is. This is where you can come and get healing. This is where you could come and feel the moving and know that the Holy Spirit is here. El Betel. And he made an altar and he worshipped God. People, as I wind down this message, you have heard that God has power over the storm. He has power over demons. He has power over sickness, the woman with the issue of blood. He has power even over death. He has power to save and to heal. And we got to get down and understand and truly believe if God is so powerful that he can do all those things back then, does he have power over your life? Does he have power over issues that you're going through life today? As he asked Jairus, do you believe this? 
I ask you this question. Do you believe? Church, it is high time for us to truly believe. That word belief in the Greek, when you break it down, it's really not a passive word, it's an active word. When you say you believe, that means you, you will do, you're applying. And so in Mark chapter 16, it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but whosoever believeth not shall be damned. All of us that believe, I'm asking you to stand. If you truly believe, I'm asking you to stand. All of us that want to be saved, I'm asking you to raise your hand. If you want to be saved, I want you to raise your hand. All of us that's not baptized, I want you to come forward. If you're not baptized and you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior into your life, today. I'm asking you to come forward. You see, some of us, we say that we believe. Praise God. Praise God. Some of us, we say that we believe. And we lift our hand and we say we believe. Some of us, we say we want to be saved. And we raise our hand and we want to be saved. But when we come to do the thing that will bring us to salvation. We don't want to do that. The Lord is calling you today. There are folk in this church today. And the Lord is calling you today. You are not, you're not here by chance. You may be thinking of your life. And what's the consequences if I, if I am baptized, if I, if I give my life to the Lord and everything, that means I cannot continue my sinful ways. Uh, yes, that's what it means. The Lord is calling you today. The Lord is calling you. This might be your last call. The last call. This might be the last call that you will hear. The last call, the Lord is calling you today to surrender your life and to be baptized and to be saved into his kingdom. As the song was sung, the special music, walking around God's kingdom. Don't you want to walk around God's kingdom? So many of us want to be saved. So many of us say we believe but we don't want to do what it takes to be saved. Folks, if Christ came today, will you be saved? I'm holding out because I believe that God, there is someone that God has brought today. You didn't understand why, but you understand why you're here today and God wants you down to the front. Sister, I'm asking you to come. The Lord is calling you right now. Come, surrender your life to Christ. Yes, that life that you've been living and you know that is hard and so forth. But listen, God, he says, listen, if you surrender, that's it. There's a brother that the Lord, he's appealing and he's touching your heart. 
and he wants you down here at the front. Don't worry about the people. Don't worry about the people. There is a time that is coming when I'll tell you that if you don't stand for God now, he won't be able to stand for you then. And so, folk, I'm inviting you to come. Just gather here at the front, please. Just gather around at the front. Just come closer. Come closer. Those that came up, just come closer. Come closer. Come closer. Come right in. Come right in. The Lord is calling you. The Lord is calling you, brother. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord is calling you. If Jesus is walking down your street today and he's appealing to your heart, will you accept him? Will you accept him? As Jesus walks down your street, will you accept him? Will you come with him? This may be the last call. I was preaching the other day at the Mount Carmel Church, and I can't remember where I got this illustration, but it was a true one. Uh, these young ladies, they were on their way to have a good time, and this Christian mother said, you know, um, have, I, I want you to travel with God. Let God go with you. And as this, uh, this young lady uh, that was the driver of the car, she said, there's no room in the car for God. There's no room in the car for God. If, if he wants to travel with us, he'll have to travel in the trunk. He'll have to travel in the trunk. And so they took off on their journey. And as they were navigating through the street, they met up on a head-on collision. All of them died. The car was smashed beyond comprehension. The only portion of the car that was intact was the trunk. They even opened up the trunk and there was a carton of eggs in the back. Everything was secure in the trunk where God was. Understand with me. Are you letting Jesus drive your life today? The Lord is walking down your street today. And as he's walking down your street today, he wants you to surrender your life. He wants you to surrender your life. So as you're coming, as Jesus is walking down, won't you follow him? Won't you say, listen, I want to give Jesus a try. I tried everything. I tried everything. I baptized a, a gentleman the other day, and he said, listen, I grew up in the church and all of that. And I, I tried everything. I did everything, everything, and nothing works. But I'm coming to God. Won't you come? The Lord is calling you today. Ten seconds. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. If it's four seconds to come to Christ and surrender your life, won't you come? Forget about your life. Forget about what you have been through. God wants to clean you up. He specializes in extreme makeover. He want to make you over today. Amen? Four seconds. Three seconds. Two seconds. One second. 
one second to come to Christ. Praise God. If it's just one second, will you not come? Zero. Time is out. But we serve a God. A God of grace. He even extends grace. There is somebody, and I'm telling you, I believe this and I know this from the bottom of my heart. There's someone that is fighting and battling with the devil. And I don't, long, I don't like to hold down my appeals too long, but there's someone that is battling and you are fighting with the devil. And I don't know why I'm holding out. This might be the last call. This might be your last appeal. God is calling you today. Won't you give him a try? Just try Jesus. Just tell him. Just respond and come. Will you not come? God is calling you, sister. He's calling you. As we come to the front here, we're going to be praying. And I'd like to join you guys. Let's just join together. Let's come together. We're going to pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. As we pray today, I believe, and I'm not filled with pride or anything, but I believe there's a reason why I came here today. And it's not to get a 